Welcome to the CityGate Church podcast. Today's message was recorded at our live Sunday services, and we hope that it encourages you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Well, we're carrying on. In fact, we're going to complete our, our five weeks on connection. Everybody say connection. Okay, everybody say devotion, which is, we talked about that in May. Our personal devotion seems ages ago now, didn't it? Do you remember the panel we had and the, the Bible and the prayer and the worship on Sundays? And then we had the panel and it was so good hearing from Pastor Sharon, for Luke and, and the others. And I can't, oh, who, who else? They're brilliant. Who else was on the panel? Elton was on the panel. Dwayne was on the panel. Absolutely brilliant. That's had so many views on YouTube. And... Um, then the last few weeks, we've been talking about connection. And it's all part of our discipleship. Everybody says discipleship. Everybody say, make disciples. Okay, see, that's what we are here to do. That's the great commission, is not to have church, it's to make disciples. So everything we do, whether it's in the worship time or in a prayer meeting or whether it's, it's here on a Sunday or whether it's in a small group or whether it's in youth on a Friday, whether it's in our office, whether it's in our school, everywhere we go, we are on call. We're on call to make disciples. We're on call to make disciples. And so as a church, we've identified five things, which is what a disciple is. Number one, a disciple has a life of personal devotion. Number two, a disciple has a life of connection. And we've been going through this. And this is, you know, discipleship is what it really is all about. So these are really important things this year. We've come out of a few years of some people not knowing whether they're coming or going and everything's changed and life will never be. It's life, Jim, but not as we know it. I mean, it's all this stuff going on. But one thing never changes and that's the kingdom of God. It's unshakable. It's unshakable. The fire of God is unquenchable. Immovable. And we're here to build a temple to glorify the living God in the earth. That's not exclusive away from the world in some little holy huddle somewhere. No, we're in the world. We're not of it, but we're in it. And while we're in it, we're here to shine. We're here to be salt and light. And we're here to be disciples and make disciples. And our connection is absolutely at the heart of our discipleship. We connect with God. We connect with people. We went through last week. Who, who can remember last week and the, and, the, and the spaces in our lives? Can we have that graphic up, please, Olu? Do you remember the spaces in our lives? We have the God space, the exclusive space, the intimate space, the personal space, the social space, and the public space. All these spaces in our lives, don't get them mess, uh, um, confused with each other. Don't have people in the crowd space or the public space in your intimate space. You'll have a life of problems. Don't have people in your, in your intimate space that, that should really be in your social space. This is really important and I know I've heard from a lot of people and it's as if people are going, wow, that was really like a, a really, a really on point last week. I'd like to think every week is on point, but obviously some, some weeks are better than others. I try my best. <laughs> 
exclusive space, intimate space. And we've talked about the God space. That's what discipleship is all about. So today we're going to talk about this exclusive space. Everybody say exclusive space. Today we're going to talk about family connection. Family connection. This is really important because family connection is the bedrock of a healthy society. But as I've said many times, and I know this probably upsets some people, but you know, it's absolutely the truth. There is nothing in the Bible that tells us to make the world a better place. It's not the message of the gospel, make the world a better place. What is the message of the gospel? The world is a bad place. And we need to rescue people out of the world and into the kingdom of God. Amen? And the church can get really distracted by spending all its effort on trying to make the world a better place. Now, what we are to do is to shine as a light and to be salt in the world, which of course will influence our surroundings. And the church has to be a place where the impact of the church improves society. Amen? Absolutely. But the gospel is not make the world a better place. The gospel is there is salvation in Jesus' name. Give your life to Christ because He died for the world to rescue us out. These are scriptural expressions. To rescue us out of the world and into the kingdom of the Son which He loves. So that's the gospel. Very, very clear. Now, the problem is so often the church has got into this whole sort of thing of, of, of the church of them and us, the world and the church. And of course, spiritually, that is absolutely the case. We are saved, the world is not saved. We are redeemed, the world is not redeemed. We are healed, the world is not healed. There is an absolute clear dividing line. It's not a, a transitional grey area. I was dead, now I am alive. I was lost, now I am found. We have crossed over, the Bible says, from death to life. And we really need to have a very powerful identity that says that's who we are. That's, that's, that's who I am. That's my identity in Christ. Which is why it's really important who we have in the exclusive, intimate and the personal space. And we influence our surroundings. But if you undermine the principles of God that are set out in the Word of God, you are going to destroy society. And if you emphasize the principles that are in, the, in God's Word, you are obviously going to build a better society. Yeah. Amen. Amen. It's, just, it's just true. It's just fact. God's Word is not just all about how to pray and how to cast out demons and how to lay hands on the sick. It's, it's how God wants His humankind that He's created. We are not animals. We are a race. We are a, a creation apart from the animals. We are in the image and the likeness of God. Some people say, is my dog going to heaven? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I know people who are adamant, absolutely not. And other people say, oh, well, God gives you the desires of your heart. I say, I, I, I'm not going there. I'm going to heaven. No, but I'm not going. I'm sorry. In fact, no, I'm there now, right, actually. I'm right here in the kingdom of heaven right now. Going to the place of heaven. 
In fact, just to confuse things completely, I'm not going to heaven, heaven's coming here. Just, just a thought, but I won't go there today. No, I'm there now, I'm in the kingdom of heaven now, but I won't. So family connection is absolutely vitally important. Why? Because it's what God has created. It's what God has set. Now, see, our family connection is to be completely built upon and, and, and fashioned by God's Word, the Bible. And everything I say today is from the principle set out in the Bible, God's plan for marriage. I believe family connection is to be celebrated. Not, you know, isn't it sad today? People are so cynical about the family as presented in the Bible. People are cynical about it. Oh, marriage stuff doesn't work. It's old-fashioned. Marriage, you don't do marriage anymore. Throw away God's plan for marriage. You throw away a healthy society. You open yourself up to an absolute mess, which is where we've arrived in the world at the moment. And I believe family connection is to be fought for. Fought for. This is not something to be timid about. And this isn't something, I'm not saying necessarily to be standing on street corners with placards and ball- you know, banners. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. The Bible says we fight with spiritual weapons, not carnal weapons. And I absolutely believe this. And the more the church does the world's way, the more we become worldly and the less impact the church can have. You see, we're in a day where everybody knows everything. Everybody can have their say on the internet. I was speaking to the head of a very powerful Christian organisation the other day, talking about things of, I'll be blunt, sexuality and gender and everything else. And... um, I was, I was discussing with him how the church can be salt and light in this area. And he just made this statement, and he's right in the thick of all of this stuff. And he said, if you know you've got the anointing to be public about it, then be public. If you don't know you've got the anointing to be public about it, then address it in your church and leave it there. Wow. Hello? And yet everybody thinks, I'm going to be public, I'm going to go on the internet, and I'm going to put my Facebook stuff out there, and I'm going to put my this, and I'm going to make statements, and I'm going to whatever, and it's just going out into this ether, causing more and more confusion. There will be people who are anointed to make a statement. There will be people who are called to be in politics for these things. There will be people who are called um, you know, to be salt and light, have the grace of God upon their life to be that. And the church needs to gather behind that. We don't need a million voices. Just thinking. Because it just creates chaos you know, and confusion. But we must... Be a church that isn't shy about how we build our families and we build our families on the Word of God. Because it works. It works. This is the best plan. It works. We have to be a church that celebrates family. Celebrates family. We celebrate the fact that husbands and wives do it right. We celebrate the fact that we have good parenting. 
And we don't apologise for it, even though the world says it's, oh, that's old-fashioned parenting. No, we celebrate the way the Bible says to parent. Oh, now it's going quiet in this place. Ah, but we've learned through sociology and psychology and every other ology that, you know what children need? I'll tell you what children need. Children need the Word of God. They need love. They need support. They need believing in. They need championing. They need fighting for. They need praying for. They need believing with. They need education in a godly way. That's what I'm going way ahead of myself here today. We celebrate what the Bible says about husbands and wives and parenting and we will fight for it. We will fight for it as a church. The amount of times we have a prayer meeting here on on Sunday night, that's a shameless plug for tonight at 8 o'clock. It's filled this place with people who have come to pray. The amount of times we pray for families and we pray for children. Because you only get one shot at this. You only get one shot at the first four years of your children's lives, which absolutely sets them for life. You only get one shot at raising a teenager to be pure and holy. You only get one shot at this. You, you know, thank God for redemption. I, you know, I gave my life to Christ when I was 19 and God washed everything away and God changed my mind and, 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 and absolutely transformed me from what I thought to what I now know. So I'm not saying God doesn't get involved but you can't live the years again. Hello? Are you getting anything out of this already? I just want to say what we're doing today. So we're going to fight for this. See, family, it is a special and a powerful relationship. Let's, let's say husbands and wives, spouses, the marriage partnership is a special and a powerful relationship. It can make or break someone's life, even their calling and their future. Absolutely. Now, I'm very aware after everything I've just said, people might be thinking, oh, no, I'm putting my tin hat on. Now, that's not what we're doing here today. We're not having a go. I'm very aware that there will be many different experiences And some good, some bad, some ugly, some abusive. There can be some examples in this room of what a Christian marriage should be. And we're all getting there. None of us are perfect. And there's other people who think, you know what? I utterly failed in that department. Thank God for His grace. See, some are regrettable. Some are outright disastrous. And some are wonderful. So wherever we are today, we're not just going to think about where I am today. I really want us to say, what does the Bible say today? And we're going to go from there. Is that okay? We're going to go from there. Whatever's happened before, we're going to say, okay, today's a new day. This is the day the Lord has made. Ah, but Pastor Jay, my marriage is beyond redemption. Nothing is beyond redemption. But Pastor Jay, I've been through six marriages and the person I'm with today is not my husband. Does that ring a bell? And in one moment, God spoke, Jesus spoke life into her and she ran off and she said, come and meet a man who's told me everything I ever did and she was set free and she started her life again. So come on guys, it doesn't matter what's happened up till this very moment. Doesn't even matter what happened an hour and a half ago at home. 
Because today is a new day and this is a moment. And if you can connect your faith with this, then I believe we can have it. You said, I believe. You said, it is done. So we're going to put our faith into this today. This is not some standard to reach. It's a promise to lay hold of. Amen. Okay. It's important to see what the Bible says about marriage. So let's, let's start with that because family obviously begins with the marriage relationship. It provides the example of Christ to the family and to our society. We'll get into that as we go through this morning. So let's begin with the first thing that we need to think about in this family connection is the connection in marriage. Marriage connection. Marriage connection. And I really want to try and do this. This is not a seminar here today. And I'm very aware we got single people, married people. we got young people. we got all sorts of people here today. So this is not a marriage seminar, but it's something that we need to all understand. I believe in a connection in marriage as presented in the Bible. What is a marriage? It is one man and one woman who commit together in a covenant. And I know we live in crazy days, but I need to define what a man is. A man is an adult male human being. What is a woman? An adult female human being. Okay? Just make it clear today. There's, I mean... Whoever dreamt we would have to clarify what a man is or what a woman is. A man is an adult male human being. What is a woman? An adult female human being. Marriage is a covenant. It's an agreement. It's an oath. It's not an experiment. Not an experiment. Let's see how it goes. No. This is a covenant. Back in earlier part of the year, we talked about Abraham and the covenant he made and he walked in blood. And then, you know, some years later when he hadn't gone into, you know, to lay hold of what God had for him, he had to shed his own blood and 300 other guys in his house. They loved him. Come here. This was serious stuff. This is a covenant. Now, we don't shed blood today. We exchange rings. Now, even that, there are some societies that have rings, some don't. It's not about the ring. It's about there is an exchange of lives. Simply cohabiting is not a biblical marriage. Ah, but I love her. Ah, but she loves me. Ah, but I love him. No, there is a covenant involved, a commitment where you promise certain things. See, all the time you don't promise and commit, you're still in the realm of, ah, we're just floating along. Ah, but we've been floating for 25 years. Doesn't matter how long it's been floating, it's still floating. It needs to be cemented in a promise and in a covenant 
where there is commitment because something happens when you make the promise before God. This is why it's so important, whoever is in that exclusive space, this is a promise before God. And for a believer, that must be another believer. Because we're making a promise before God from a place of submission to God. See, I'm just going to say what the Bible says today and what the Bible teaches. Let's say what a marriage is. Marriage is the binding together of two lives to become one that is centered around Jesus Christ, His will and His kingdom. See, if we want to build a strong marriage, we've got to start right. We've got to start right. We've got to start with Jesus in the middle. It's not about feelings. It's not about experience. It's not about how well we know them. It's about Jesus in the center. Marriage is actually about becoming more Christ-like. It's about becoming more Christ-like. Something happens when you put a husband and a wife together, they can experience and represent Christ in a different way. Something happens. Christ comes in the middle of the relationship. It's about becoming more Christ-like. I didn't say it's about becoming more happy or more satisfied or more fulfilled. It's about becoming more Christ-like, what does that mean? His values, his character, and his power. His values, his character, and his power. What is marriage? It's the ultimate expression of giving in a relationship. Do you remember last week I began with that scripture from 1 Chronicles chapter 12, the Holy Spirit came upon Amaziah, the chief of the captains, and he said, we are yours, David, We're on your side, O son of Jesse. Peace to you and peace to your helpers because God helps you. So David received them and made them captains in the troop. Do you remember those verses? 1 Chronicles 12 verses 8 and 9. There is a giving. It says, we are yours, David. You see, a connection with anybody involves our giving, which is why those circles are so important. To what extent do you give? To what extent do you give yourself to people? (laughs) Do you remember the verse where Jesus did not give himself to people because they were in the social space? But he did give himself to the Father and he did give himself to the three that were around him and the 12 to a degree. But in this exclusive space that I've called it, it is the ultimate expression of giving in a relationship. Why? Because you give spirit, you give heart to heart. You give spirit. You give soul. See, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And as you give your soul, your soul is the the part of your life that is still being saved. 
says we are saved spiritually. We are saved. I am saved. I don't need to get saved in my heart. I am saved. I have been born again. But my soul is being saved. What does that mean? My mind's being renewed. My will is being submitted. My emotions are being reined in. This is an ongoing journey. It's not like, oh, I'm perfect now. Yeah, spend one day with me. You'll find out I am not perfect, but I'm being saved and I'm more saved today in my mind, my will, my emotions, my personality than I was last week. More saved because it's the work of God's Word, the washing of the water of the Word of God and being around other people. Your soul is greatly affected in your marriage relationship because you give. You say, I will love you. Your will is your part of your soul. I will. There's all the I wills in not the ones that, you know, they say traditionally, the ones that are in the Word of God, which we're going to go through today. What we actually commit to as a believer when we get married. <coughs> Excuse me. So we give spirit, we give soul, we give our, our physical body. We give our physical body, we give it to our spouse when we get married as a result of giving spirit and soul. You give your body after you give your spirit and your soul. Are you with me? I know this is really simple stuff, but the world gets it completely screwed up and ran the other way. So they give their physical body and as a result, they mess up their soul. That's the only outcome of that. And there is going to be a portion of this today on sex in the marriage. Then we give our finances. We give our finances. Now I know different people and different expressions, expressions of marriage handle their funds differently and perhaps there's one joint account and that's fine. Perhaps there's two separate accounts and there's, there's you know, this is transferred across and da, 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 and you spend on that and I do that. Ha however you do it between yourselves, that's fine. But can I say it's no longer my money, it's our money. Hello? Okay. And then all other relationships are subject to the marriage relationship. There isn't anything that comes close. Because they're in that intimate sphere, in the personal sphere, in all those others, there's no covenant made. We are in covenant together because we're the body of Christ. But there's no specific covenant made. There may be a business partnership where you sign. That's a covenant. Of, of course, it's a covenant. But I'm, I'm speaking about a covenant of life. There's no covenant made in any of other of those areas. So everything is subject to the marriage covenant. Let's read the Bible, shall we? Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 8, and then from on a little bit. So this is quite a chunk of scripture and it's the only passage that I'm going to read today. Uh, there are so many passages, so many scriptures that I would love to have poured into this and I'm going to encourage you to do your own study. Just type in, you know, get your, your Strong's Concordance, look up husbands, get your Strong's Concordance, look up wives, look up children, look up parents and do your own study on this. It's very simple to do. Read all the Bible verses and then read them in context so you get a context. There's certain, you know, things 
things that you need to do when you're um, exploring through God's Word. Don't just take a verse, but read it in context. But here we are, Ephesians 5, which is brilliant. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. This is just speaking to the general church. As Christ has also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a wonderful aroma. And then he goes straight in. But sex before marriage and all uncleanness or all covetousness, let it not even be named among you. I mean, it's really straightforward. It's really simple. Let it not even be named among you. It's not even an option. It's not even an option. As is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish speaking or coarse um, jokes, which, you know, just over the line, which are just not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no one who has sex before marriage, that's what a fornicator is, or unclean person or covetous man who who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus Christ right now? That's where we're all stuffed. Yeah? So don't go, oh, I've had sex before marriage, I can't get saved. No. Thank God for forgiveness, the blood of Jesus, redemption. He died for all our failures. But it's saying, come on, if you think it's okay, you're not thinking in line with the Word of God. It's really straight. This is a really important connection, this marriage connection. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, covenant person has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Oh, Pastor Jay, everyone's doing it. Oh, Pastor Jay, it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter, it doesn't do anything. Oh, Pastor Jay, you're not serious in 2022. You're just old-fashioned. Come on. This is not an old-fashioned book. It is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Not old-fashioned. You don't need to update it, upgrade it, apologise for it. You may need to clarify it and apply it. You don't change it. I should just read the scripture, shouldn't I? Therefore, do not be partakers with them. I mean, I could go to so many scriptures that really says, keep certain people out of your intimate space. It's really what that's saying. Keep them out of your personal space. And I know people can take this and get, oh, no, it's not we're talking about attitude, we're talking about space. Love doesn't change. Acceptance of the person doesn't change. His sacrificial giving and love doesn't change. But access and influence does change. Have no part with them. Therefore do not be partakers with them. For once you were darkness, now you're light in the Lord. Therefore walk as children of the light. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he's the saviour of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. 
Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word of God, that he may present his wife to himself, this is Jesus and the church, as a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own physical bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but he feeds it, he cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great um, mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. However, let each one of you particularly so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she reveres her husband. Now, that's a big passage of Scripture. And here's Paul, and he sort of goes in and out of talking about Christ and the church and husband and wife and Christ and the church and husband. And it's as if he gets pulled off here and then he thinks, no, I'm talking about marriage here. And then he goes straight off to Christ and the church. No, come on, come on, Melfi, get back. Come on, Paul, get back. I'm trying to keep on focus here. But you cannot talk about marriage without talking about Christ and the church. They're the same example in Scripture, which is why Paul goes in and out and in and out and in and out. I'm so glad there's no confusion about Christ and His church. Christ is the head, the church is the body. Christ gave Himself for the, the rest of the body and the body is subject to Christ. And, it, and it's really clear in the Bible and that is the model for marriage in the Bible. Marriage is not just about two people giving themselves to each other. It is a covenant where two people give themselves for each other. Now, this is where it's completely different from any other relationship. I may give myself to people, but I give myself for my wife. If you give yourself for, you are giving your life. You're giving your life. Jesus gave himself for the church. What did he do? He died for the church. Husbands, give your lives for your wives and wives, give your life for your husbands. What do you do? You hang on a cross for them. It's a place of sacrifice. It's a place of giving. One flesh. Two become one. It also gives the example there, the head and the body. You never say, here comes Sharon and her head. <laughs> oh, he comes. there she is, there's Sharon and her head. You don't say, ah, here comes Ben and his body. No, you don't say that. You say, here comes Sharon. One identity. One identity. And there's something fantastic about that. In, in Christ, the head and the body is one Christ. Jesus, the head, the church, the body. One man Christ, the Bible calls us. The head and the body, one man Christ. The identity is one. You don't say, you don't, I mean, you can, but just for our mindset, it is this 
much in agreement of my, my English language. It is this powerful. You don't even say, here comes Julian and Sharon. You say, here comes the Melfis. We are one. We are one. Now, we are separate people, just like Jesus is a separate saviour. And I'm separate physically, but we are one spiritually. Exactly the same with a husband and wife. This is why this is a covenant. This is not something to play with. This is something we are one. And what God has joined together, don't ever let anything come in to divide. Nothing. Nothing online, nothing in a conversation. Isn't it sad? And, you know, I've been to so many, you know, socials and blokes make fun of their wives. It's tragic. It's tragic. Now I know we have banter. We have banter and we talk about stuff and we have a laugh. And I'm not talking about everything's in a straight jacket. But you know when someone's speaking and there's a barb. There's, a, there's an arrow. There's a dart. Oh, her at home. And you can hear that. <clears throat> or the old man and there's, and there's sort of a, a controlling thing. Or, a, you know, no, oh, oh, I'll have a go at him. And it's like, come on, guys. We're one. No one ever hated his own body, but loves the wife as he loves his own body. Loves himself. So, it's our time, it's our money, it's our vision, it's our values. It's not me or her, it's us. We're one. Let's just go through what the Bible says very quickly. Wives to husbands. Okay? What the Bible says the wife is to be to the husband. I said I really didn't want this to be a marriage seminar. But, you know, we've, we've had such poor role models for the last I don't know how many years. So let's have some good ones from the Bible. Can I... This is what the Bible says, wives to husbands. Number one, wives submit to your husband. Number two, and these are scriptures, wives submit to your husband. <laughs> Number three, wives submit to your husband. It's there three times, <laughs> all right? So I'm going to say it three times. Number four, wives love your husbands. Number five, wives please your husbands. Number six, wives render affection to your husband. He has authority over your physical body. That is a direct quote. Pastor <whistles> Jay, how can you even say that's just old? We don't do that anymore. We don't do that. We've grown up. We've matured in society. Well, that's everything the Bible specifically says wives to husbands. All right? Help me, Jesus. Now, husbands to wives. So that's, that's I'm not saying it's easy, but that's, that's straightforwards. Yeah? Straightforward, yeah? I'll explain it in a minute, but just to say what it says. Now let's do husbands to wives. Are you ready? Husbands... Husbands, uh, I'm going to have to be quick because husbands have got 
So much more. So much more. I can really condense the, the wives bit. Submit to your husbands, loves your husbands. Simple. Simple, easy. Husbands, live with your wife with understanding. Husbands, honour your wife. Husbands, love your wife. Husbands, do not be harsh to your wife. Husbands, love your wife like you love your own physical body. Husband, be the head of the wife. Husbands, sacrifice yourself for your wife. Husband, leave your father and mother and cleave to your wife. Husband, sanctify your wife. Husband, cleanse your wife. Husbands, enjoy life with your wife. These are all direct quotes. Husbands, please your wife. Husbands, render affection to your wife. Do you remember I said over hus- wives, pl- um, uh, render affection to your husband because he has authority over your body. Blokes love to, um, you know, quote that one. Wives... Listen to this one. I want to shout, husbands, render affection to your wife because she has authority over your body. It's not one-sided, it's both-sided. Husbands, feed your wife. Not too much. (laughs) But feed them. Husbands, cherish your wife. Husbands, give your... Oh, no, I've got... Yeah, husbands, cherish your wife. That's a whole lot. That's a whole lot that the husbands have got to do. See, husbands love to say, wives, submit, love, and get in bed. (laughs) I read some version, it says, wives do not deny, I can't even say the word, conjugal rights. I didn't even know what they were. But it also says exactly the same thing the other way around. Our version says, please, show affection equally to each other. Okay, let's just make this really simple. Husbands, give wives love. Honour. It's clear in Scripture. Honour. How do you honour something? You treat it as priceless. Price. You see, this is why the world has lost its understanding of honour. They think of respect. Respect is not a Bible word. It's not there. Honour is. Respect says, you do something, I'll respect you for it. Honour says, you are worth, you are absolutely priceless. You're worth everything. You're valuable. Honour has to do with value. Respect has to do with performance. Honour your wives. Honour your wives in the same way you honour Christ. What is the love from a husband to a wife? It is sacrificial. This is clear from Ephesians 5. Husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church and died for her. What is the job of the husband? To die daily. To die daily. See, husbands think that they've got this authority thing all wrong. Headship. Respect. Overbearing. Demanding. No, headship is responsibility to bear the burden and to pay the price. Yeah. 
bear the burden and pay the price. If my wife is under pressure, I need to take the pressure. That's what it means. If my wife is struggling, I need to redeem the situation. That's the job of the husband. Headship has got nothing to do with demanding. It's got everything to do with dying. And I know the world's got it very wrong. And so we've had to sadly have a whole hundred years of, of you know, it's just so sad, this whole thing of trying to push for equality. Because it's been out of balance all over the place. The Bible says we are heirs together of the grace of life. Heirs together, husband and wives. One's not better than the other. We're just very different. The church and Christ are very different, but we're one. See, Jesus never tries to be the church and the church should never try to be Jesus. We both got something very unique and very separate to offer, but together we're invincible. Husband and wife, that's the relationship. And because it's been out of whack, because it's been worldly, because it's been authoritarian or demanding or dominant or critical or, or whatever, then so often, sadly, the ladies had to fight for air because it's been squashed and pushed down and abused and demanded and raped. But the, the husbands need to get back on the cross and give their lives for their wife because that's what you said. I will sacrifice myself for you is what you said when you said, I will love you. Hello? This can save a whole world of hurt. I will love you. So a husband to a wife, love, honour, spiritual leadership. Spiritual leadership. See, there is an order. Bible talks about it in worship and different things. Spiritual leadership is not spiritual abuse and dictatorship. For he who wants to be greatest has got to be servant of all. You lead from a place of compassion. You lead from a place of hearing God. You hear. You lead from a place of setting culture. Husbands have got to set the kingdom culture. Don't abdicate your position and say, oh, the wife, she does all the spiritual stuff. Well, you're not a man then in the marriage. Husbands give spiritual leadership, direction, protection, faith. And I take this really seriously. This is not about fault or blame. It's about responsibility. Anyone in my family is sick, I take it on myself. Just like Jesus bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. He paid the price for the family. So I go to God and I say, God, I'm going to bear this. I'm going to bear this. I'm going to bear the responsibility of this. I'm going to bear this in Jesus' mighty name. I stand for healing. It's the job of the husband. Hello? Are you getting this? Are you getting the, the strength of this thing? Now, we all 
we all fail. We don't hit the mark, but thank God for grace. But I'm talking about roles and responsibilities here. Scriptural marriage in the Bible. The husband takes the responsibility. Attention, husband to wife, attention. This is, I'll be quite honest, this is my biggest challenge. Sharon knows it. You didn't listen to a word I said, she says. That's not me to Sharon, that's Sharon to me. We had this whole conversation. Now, I think half the time she imagines it, but because she's talking to herself. She's got like 36,000 words a, a day. <laughs> it's great. But husbands, give attention to your wife. Focus, listen, be attentive. Okay? Be attentive. Don't say, don't burden me. No, hang on the cross and listen to it all. And bear it all and take it all. Focus and listen. And then finally, husbands to wives, devotion. 100% loyalty. With eyes, mouth, ears, and physical body. We build up. We don't pull down. And finally, husbands to wives, enjoyment. So it's love, honour, spiritual leadership, attention, devotion, enjoyment. Wives to husbands, love. Same love. Number two, honour. Same honour. It's what the Bible teaches. Number three, help. Again, I could go into God made Eve to be a help to Adam. Not slave. Help. And some guys are too flipping egotistical, proud to accept help. They're the ones that need help. I know I need help. I wouldn't still be here if it weren't for Sharon. Incredible help to my life. Devotion. Wives devoted to their husbands. And enjoyment. Same things. The only one that's not there is the spiritual leadership. But how do you know a leader is not isolated? I don't lead this church isolated. I don't lead my marriage isolated. We agree. We talk. We discuss. We agree. I may have to make some final decisions, but it's in agreement. Hello? Okay. Husband's responsibility to lead well and set healthy culture. I'm so out of time here. Can we just talk about sex for a minute? Well, three of us, should we go out the back and have a chat? <laughs> That's three of us. <laughs> Let's talk about sex. Sex. Sex, 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 sex. The world's mad about it. The Bible calls it lust. In some degree. But God created sex. To have babies. And to be intimate. In that exclusive zone. Anywhere else it screws you up. Messes you up. It is the ultimate expression of complete commitment, loyalty, devotion, and the giving of yourself in a one flesh relationship. It's what sex is. It's not 
just a physical act. It is absolutely unifying. Very deeply. The Bible clearly teaches no sex before marriage, which is called fornication, and no sex outside of marriage, which is called adultery. And you can do each of those in your mind. It's not just a physical thing. It's where you give yourself. You can give yourself in your thoughts. Jesus clearly said, if you look at somebody in lust, you've already committed adultery. So don't just say, oh, Pastor John, I've never done yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? Thank God for grace. Because we're surrounded with this stuff. Hands up any bloke that's never had a lustful thought. Anybody? Oh, come on. Hands up any bloke that's not had one in the last week. Okay, am I making my point? I don't know about you, but I'm surrounded by this stuff. All over the place. There are so many hurt, abused, confused, messed up people. And perhaps a lot of it can be put down to the fact that we've become so casual in our relationships sexually. Because when you give yourself in bed, you give more than a moment. You're actually giving away your life into the life of somebody else. The more you give yourself, and I'm talking about give and take and give and take and it goes wrong and somebody else and da 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 da. The more you give yourself, the more torn up you become. Because every time that relationship which started in the wrong place stops, you've ripped another part of your heart out. You've ripped another part of your soul, your emotion. There's more healing needed. Everything needs healing. Every relationship that has started sexually or been sexual outside of marriage, everyone needs a work of the Holy Spirit. Everyone. Don't just think, oh, it didn't matter. It was when I was 17. Deal with it. Heal it. Pray over it. Get it gone. Get it under the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't carry the scar of that in the marriage. Or the wound of that, I should say. The wound. Scars are healed problems. We are not animals. We're just a sexual instinct. We are mankind made in the image and the likeness of God for marriage. We are firstly spirit to be godly, soul to be Christ-like, and physical body to be connected and committed in marriage for life. The Bible says the marriage bed is undefiled. That means so many things and today is not the place to be explicit. But I believe absolutely everything, even within the marriage, has to be by consent. It is a giving to one another, not a taking from somebody else. So it doesn't matter what you want. It needs to be by mutual consent. If one is uncomfortable, it doesn't happen. Is this all right? Just, just make it clear. The Bible really says sometimes our desire needs to be fanned into flame. Things are cold. Other times the fire needs to be put out. Amen? Good preaching, Pastor Jay. Yes. Absolutely. The Bible also says we are to do what is... 
Okay, the Bible says, for its created use, for its created purpose. Today we live in a society when so many things are seem to be the thing to do. The Bible is very clear. You do what is natural for the created purpose. And that is vitally important in sex. Um, I don't know, I'm going to leave that there. Because I'm very aware of the, of the congregation we have today. Lastly, connection with children as we close. And this should be a whole message in itself. But I'm just going to read this and go through it. It is the greatest privilege, honour and joy to bring a life into this world. To nurture, care for, train, equip and release into adulthood for another family to be formed. This is God's created way and purpose. Children are not a burden, they are a joy. They are a joy. They are something to be deeply, deeply loved and prized and desired. And again, we now have a society where the choice is, do I want kids? I think it's very sad when the natural passion that God has put inside people now, I understand there are various things, but it seems to be a whole generational push to say we don't want kids. We've got to the place where it's okay to, to kill them in their hundreds of thousands. That's acceptable and a human right. Well, not in my Bible, it's not. I know, and I know this may sound very political, and this is not a political statement, but it comes from a political push right now. My body, my choice. You made a choice when you did what you did with your body 99.99999 times out of 100 we're talking about. There are the exceptions. I'm not getting into those today. But the lifestyle you choose that produces another life, it's no longer your body, your choice. You've produced another body. That is their body that belongs to Jesus Christ and He died on the cross for that body. Let's not get any blurred edges on this. Let's not get any blurred edges at all. Our failure does not result in the murder of another human being. A family is made up of individuals where each person is valued, accepted, understood and loved. Not controlled and manipulated. Put into a straitjacket. The Bible says, raise up a child in the way they should go. Understand your kids. Understand them. So they may not be academic. Don't push them to be academic if that's not who they are. You'll kill them. You'll burn them out. Just because you had a plan for them to be whatever, if that's not them, surrender to God. Now you can see what they're perhaps being lazy in and need to stir it up a bit. But I'm talking about giftings and abilities and direction in life. What has God called that child to be? The family culture is set and modelled by the parents from God's Word. And there is a war on for the attention and the culture of our families. I'm not anti-TV, we got three of them. One in the, one in the, the kitchen area, four of them. Flipping egg, four flipping TVs. It's nuts. It's nuts. But what's important is what comes out of them. Family culture is set and modelled by parents, not by schools, 
not by politicians, not by the spirit of the world, not by the people next door, not by Facebook, not by TikTok, not by Twitter, modelled by the parents. Kids want to copy what they see from from when they're in the womb. We used to put them, you know, Sharon used to sing and I did as well, but she was around the baby a lot more than I was before it was born. Used to sing, loves, loves, uh, you know, praise songs, worship songs. Used to, used to read the Bible to her baby in the womb, pray for the bowels, to lay hands on that. Don't start when they're born. They're a life from conception. And they're in the mind of God from before conception. Kids want to copy what they see. It's a parent's responsibility to be a good role model. The number of areas, again, seminar stuff. There is physical development. Parents, can I just throw this stuff out there right now? Health, food and fitness. Food and fitness. Don't raise a couch potato. Get them out climbing trees. Get them out, I don't know, skills, tactile skills. Develop their tactile skills from when they're really, really, really young. They need to throw and catch. They need to hit it with a hammer. They need to thread a needle. They need to cook a dinner. They need to make a bed. They need to have fun with all this stuff. They need to kick a ball. They need to develop this stuff. There needs to be emotional development. Don't model anger, frustration, irritation, especially in the womb. Don't have arguments and rows with the baby in the womb. Baby's listening to all of it. Anger, frustration, irritation, unforgiveness, vengeance. Never model these in the Christian home. Now, kids need to go through stuff. We live in this whole cotton wool society where everything is so, so squeaky, sanct- not sanctified, totally, uh, what's the word, sanitised. Kids must go through the opportunity to be offended and not be offended. Choose not to be. They must go through it. Don't get offence away from your kids. Let it on. Mum, do you know what they called me in school today? Great. (laughs) Seriously, great opportunity to be an overcomer. Now, not just, oh, get over it. It's not what I'm saying. But on the inside, brilliant. Opportunity to develop. Opportunity to be bigger. If you show the offence, then they're going to be offended and that will be their reaction. Do you know what they called me? That slur, that sexist slur, that racist slur. I'm talking about kids. If you go, oh, I can't believe it. How dare they? You have a problem growing. Hello? You say, well, you know what we do? We forgive. These people are ignorant. They don't know it. You're bigger than this. Do you know who you are in Jesus? Do you know who you are in Christ? Your identity is not your sex. Your identity is not your race. Your identity is a child of God. Do not react. No matter what it makes you feel, you might want to go and, I know I have. 
Come on, we're going to see your teacher. Grab the arm. No, 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 no. Come on, Grace. Grace, forgive me. Oh, there's so much I could say on this. Perhaps we need to do a parenting course. Sharing and giving to bless someone else. We've encouraged all of our kids to give away stuff they really like. Not give away stuff they don't want. Give away stuff, even, even a birthday present they hadn't had very long. Why don't you be generous with that? Give it away to another child. Give it away. Oh, well, can't I give away something I don't want anymore? Aren't you glad God didn't give away an angel He didn't want anymore? He gave away His best. <laughs> Teach your kids, why don't you give away that pair of trainers they've had for three, three weeks, four weeks? Come on, guys, I'm being really serious with this. Give away the stuff they want. You'll go through all the reaction and the tears. Don't give it away and they're hating you for it. Come to the place of generosity and agreement. Come on, let's give, let's sow and let's believe God. Let's believe God. Chris, I'll never forget this. He really wanted a helicopter. He was four. And he had 10 pounds, birthday money or whatever it was. And he sent that over to Germany to a girl, used to be in the church here, and just really, really felt to bless this girl. I mean, he was four. So we, we put it in an envelope and we sent it over, 10 pounds, and he was believing God for this helicopter. This is how you train kids, guys. I mean, just, this is, this is it. And he was believing God for a helicopter. Two days later, somebody gave him the money for, that was right, money for the helicopter. We didn't tell anybody. Somebody came up and said, you know what? The Lord sort of spoke to me to give you this money. Chris, he's four. To give you this money. And he was just like, boom. That's a great lesson to learn. What else do kids need to learn and have modelled? Failure. So they didn't get the, the medal. I wish they'd get away from giving everybody a medal. Dear, it's one of my pet hates. Kids need to learn to fail because they'll do it all their life. And they, do you know why they need to learn how to fail? Because they need to learn how to get up and go again and run again and, and forgive again. They need to learn how to fail. We, the world has gone bananas into this whole, you know, I'm not talking about just health and safety and, the, and all of that. Kids can't even climb a flipping tree anymore. It's nuts. They need to learn how to fall out of it. I'm serious. I'm not talking about and break, mind you, our kids have broken everything. One of them has. Not on purpose. But you know what? If you fall and hurt yourself, you know what not to do next time? It's been proved. You know, isn't it crazy? Cups now have caution. It's hot. I mean, how pathetic society have we got to? And that's because somebody was drinking while driving, spilt it on himself, burnt himself and sued whatever company it was for a quarter million quid. Oh, didn't say it was hot. Just ordered a hot coffee. We've taken away common sense. We need to learn how to, I'm not talking about you put your kid's hand in a fire. You tell them, don't put your hand in the fire. Don't do it. But if they do, they'll never do it again. You don't want them to do it, but kids have got to learn. If we protect them from everything, they never learn anything. Are, are you getting this? Okay. 
Forgiveness, not resentment. To be a victor, not a victim. Loving discipline in the home. Oh, there's so much other stuff. I'll just, just read it. Cognitive development. Read a book with your children. Don't give them a screen and say, read it. Sit down with a book and sit there and get them to turn the pages. It does so much. I won't get into it today, but it does so much. Read a book. Find out information together. Don't just tell them the answer all the time. I was terrible at this. Make a model with my son, Chris. He used to make aeroplanes and stuff and, and I'd end up sticking it all together. Try not do that. Even if it, the wing's stuck on the nose piece. They won't stick it there again. Is this all right? Cognitive development. World issues and views. Discuss them, talk about them at an age appropriate time. Sex is completely irrelevant to a preteen. Hello? Ah, but they gotta be prepared. No, they don't. They need to be prepared in a household of love and acceptance. And then when you know what's, when things are being, and I know, I mean, I know what's, what's going on. It's not bad a cotton wool environment. But you, it, it needs to come from the family. Let the family teach it, not anybody else. Because then you teach it with your values. World issues, but always come back to the truth. Well, this is what the world's saying. This is what's on the news. What does the Bible say about this? Go to a museum and a library with your kids. Take them out. Don't you, you know, take them somewhere. Let them learn. Take them on a trip. Go out to the country to some stately home somewhere and see some history. Amen. Amen. Spiritual development, of course. Read the Bible and pray. Manage their friendships. I'll say it again. Parents, manage your children's friendships. Now, as they get older, they manage their own. When they're young, you manage them for them. It's your job as parents to manage their friendships. To emphasise, obviously, the Bible values, not worldly culture. Model faith. I mean, in our family, we never said, no, we can't afford that. We said, no, we're not going to spend our money on that. And if we haven't got the money, then we'll believe God for it. But I'm not going to believe God for money for that. We worded it in a way that says, you know what, we're in control of this thing, but we're not going to be wasteful. You with me? That's just our, you can, you can do what you want. Model the fruit of the Spirit with your kids. I hope you got something out of that. I'm, I'm out of time. Father, we thank You. God, we thank You for our family connection. And Lord, we just present ourselves as people who need grace and help because we mess this up so often. Father, for those of us that have got it wrong and stepped over lines and so many things, so many times, Father God, we just repent right now, sincerely. Wash us, heal those wounds from relationships, from the past or even the present. Thank You, God, that by Your grace, we can be all You've called us to be. We set our faith today and we set our vision and our values and our purpose and our passion. But Lord God, we thank You that even when we get it wrong, Lord, You get it right and You 
Lord, we pick ourselves up and we run again. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord, that the family unit can be absolutely an expression of Christ in the earth, answered prayer in the most amazing ways. An incredible experience of love and grace and forgiveness in your presence like in no other situation. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.